want him to feel rejected. We don't want him to feel pushed out. We don't want him to feel ignored. But the palace of praise believes he's Lord. He's preeminent one. He has the right of all of our worship and all of our praise. Can you say amen? Woo, my, my, my. I've, you know, there's a scripture in the Bible that's been on my mind about the young calves leaping. You know, one of the most boring things that you'll ever see in your life is to go by a herd of cattle and them big cows will just sit there and you put up a, a different gate they'll just sit there and stare at it all day long. And they're kind of a boring thing, but the young calves, they leap. I don't want to be an old cow in his presence. I want to be a young calf leaping in the presence of God, don't you? Having life and energy. Oh, I just love the Lord here this morning. 2022 Real Men's Conference may seem to be history, but we're just beginning to see the results of what God has done in the hearts of men. What a wonderful last two days that we've had. Tony Suarez on Friday night just ministered to us in such a wonderful way of challenging us to be the priest of our homes and thus men taking on our rightful position in God. Then Joe Dobbins comes along and talks about being haunted by ghosts. Oh my, what a move the congregation. And um, as we were praying for this weekend, or as I was praying for this weekend, and uh, we uh, got our little prayer groups, we got life groups and different people were praying over the Real Men's Rally. I think the women were praying for the Real Men's Rally more than the men were because the women, they have to live with us men, amen. And they were probably praying harder than we were. Oh God, touch my husband. Oh God, touch my my brother or whatever, but we had a wonderful time, Lord. How many enjoyed Real Men's Rally? Would you just give the Lord praise for that? Oh, wow. But um, I wanted to just keep it going for the weekend, and I was praying about, Lord, what, what do I need to do? And he spoke to my heart, and he told me to get Brian Matthews, a great friend of mine, not a stranger to you, to come and minister this Sunday morning and Sunday night for us. He sacrificed to be here. He's been in Africa for the last week and a half, almost two weeks. He's not slept hardly any, and he come in on the plane on Friday, and said, man, I haven't been to sleep since Wednesday, and I said, well, good, I'll keep you up till three o'clock in the morning then. And we almost did. And he hasn't had much sleep since he's been here. We've been catching up on old times but I believe he's got a message from the Lord. He may share some of the things that went on in Africa, one of the greatest crusades he's ever been in in his life. Seen all kinds of miracles right before his eyes. And he might talk about that and he might not. I don't know what all he's gonna share, but I know he's got a word of the Lord for you. Brian Pastors in Hurricane, West Virginia. He's a mighty man of God doing a great work there. He's really by heart an evangelist. He's, his uh, giftedness, he's uh, strong in evangelism. He's got a heart for the lost. And um, he went to Africa and he had sent me pictures of hundreds of thousands of people that were coming and giving their life to Jesus Christ each night in, in, in his services. That's what he's all about. But uh, I feel like he's got a message for the church. And my children were talking to me one day and he said, Dad, out of, John and Ben were talking, said, Dad, out of all the people that you have brought into the church, we've been ministered to many, many times in our lives. So, but there's one, a few messages that stand out, and one of them come from Brian Matthews. And he began to tell me 
about the message and he began to explain the message and that's been several years ago when he came and my boys can tell me what that message was, where the text was at, what he said and how he greatly ministered to them and challenged them as young men. I'm glad to have the anointed man of God in our services here today to minister to you with the rainbow word from the Lord so hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to the church. Would you come, Brother Matthews? Would you give him a great big welcome as he comes today? Oh, come on, let's give Jesus a praise this morning. Come on, we can do better than that. Hallelujah. He's worthy. He's worthy. Glory to God. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. He was telling that great introduction, and I was looking around to find out who he was talking about. But uh, my granddad, he always told me, he said, a pat on the back is only 18 inches from a kick in the seat of the pants. And so that'll keep you humble, amen? But it's great to be here in the palace today, and uh, God has honored me with a, a great friend and, and your pastor, Kent Miller, and I am so grateful for that. Uh, I think that if you did not know it, you did when you come here, that, that you have great servants. They have servant hearts. The Miller family uh, are servant hearts, and I appreciate that. And, and uh, thank God for the kingdom connection that I have with them. And uh, even though that we're a few, a few hours apart, he's one of my best friends and one of the ones that... I can go and share uh, the gospel with and my heart with, and uh, thank you for being a friend. Amen. Um, not only is he a good friend, but I'm so thankful. I guess Steve is the reason why that you put it on Facebook and all of that, but I love listening to your pastor preach uh, because after uh, they started putting the videos and everything out, I don't have to, to uh, study a whole lot. I watch pastor and uh, get one of his sermons, and I do an eight-week series on one Sunday. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I, I say, Kent, Kent, you got to slow down and quit preaching so much content. It's no wonder people don't come but once a month. It's all they can handle. But he don't listen, does he? <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> I got to quit this. I love him, and I appreciate him today. We, we have been in Zambia for the last uh, 12 days, I believe, and, and uh, God had blessed us and honored us there. And uh, it's so wonderful. We, sometimes we forget that God, our God is not an American God. And if we view God from just the American church, we can miss what God is doing in the earth. And I'm thankful for what God's doing in America, but he's a God of the universe. He's the God of the world. And there's great things going on in the kingdom of God. And I'll just share this with you for a moment. In uh, Zambia, as Pastor said, we uh, had one of the greatest crusades there that we've had. We've been going for about six years. And God blessed us. We don't go into the cities, but we go into the villages where that... Uh, the gospel has never been preached. People have never heard about Jesus. And so we go there 
and we share the prelude to the gospel, share uh, the, how the creation began in, in a real simple way. We share how that Jesus was prophesied about, how he came as a child, how that he grew into manhood, how he died upon the cross of Calvary, and that he is the savior of the world and whenever we get finished with about a 15 minute sermon we invite people forward to um, be saved and uh, on this occasion every single night every single night hundreds of people some five six one night over 800 people responded to the invitation to accept Jesus Christ as their personal savior When we get finished with that, we tell a miracle story. We say this to the congregation that is there, the people that are there. We say, we know that you've heard about all kinds of gods, but our God is the true living God, and our God does miracles. And so if we, you do not see miracles here tonight, then you should know that our God is not real, and you can run us out of town, and you can say that it is a farce and he is not real. But if he does miracles here tonight, then you must know that he is the living God and that you must serve him. Can I tell you that every single night, some people say, well, I'd be afraid to make that kind of claim. I would too if I didn't know it was true. But I believe it. And so by faith, we would declare that. And every single night, Pastor, God was faithful to do miracles. Deaf ears would come open. Blind eyes were seen. Crippled people, crippled man that hadn't walked I don't know how long. And he gets up and starts leaping for joy. Now, you want to talk about... Uh, we don't know them. We don't know if they're putting on. We don't know if they're really blind. We don't know if they're, but those village people do. And whenever they see the crippled man that's been crippled for years gets up and starts leaping for joy, you don't have to try to convince them that Jesus is the living God. Amen? And so we're thankful for that today. I'm thankful for his presence here today, and I believe that God is going to do something in this house today. Most occasions, whenever I go to a place like this, I preach something that I know or I've preached something that I've preached before, but I'm going to try this message out on y'all today. So if it don't work, I won't do it nowhere else. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor. The enemy has tried to shut the church down. In 2020 and 2021, it's interesting to me. I'm not a world traveler. I don't want to put that in your heart, but I love the nations. And it's interesting to me the vocabulary that I heard in Zambia and Zimbabwe and different places. I heard the same kind of vocabulary there that we have heard here in America for the last two years. Things like, the, the, where the virus started was in the church, shutting the church down, trying to stop us from going. Now, don't get nervous. I'm not going to be political today, but it's just amazing to me how that, that they would try to shut down the church but not shut down Walmart. And then we see that when we realize that they couldn't shut us down. People began to worship wherever they had to worship. 
They had worship in parking lots. They had worship online. But they said, you know, they told us you can't sing in church because that spreads the virus. And I'm not interested in being political, I'm kingdom. But there was something inside of me that three weeks happened. I, I was setting out on a, a trailer, a $3,000 trailer. It was raining and I was preaching to the congregation in the parking lot. And uh, it occurred to me that I looked so foolish preaching on a $3,000 trailer whenever I was standing in front of a $4 million building. And I said, there's something wrong with this. But something started stirring in my spirit that caused me to get aggravated spiritually. Have you ever got aggravated spiritually? And I got aggravated spiritually and I, I told my wife whenever I got home, we got finished with dinner and that thing was still on me. And I, I told her, I said, that's, this isn't right. There's something more than a virus. This is something. And she, she told me, she said, Brian Matthews, get back up there to the church and pray through on it. Said, I'm tired of hearing about it. So that's just what I did. I went back up there and I started praying and the Lord began to speak to me that this thing is more about a spiritual thing than it is about a viral thing. And we realize that today, that the enemy has tried to use these last two years to try to shut the church down. Amen, the in, but it took the enemy by surprise whenever we begin to regroup and we begin to do whatever we had to do because we understood the, the severity of it. We understood the situation and what was going on, but we also knew that it was important for us to come together and worship our God. And now we look back and we see that we're trying, the enemy could not stop us and shut us down. And I believe his strategy now is to wear us down. In this season, many are living through collateral damage of 2020 and 2021. The pain is overwhelming. The loss has been great. Disappointment is never ending. And the feeling of being overwhelmed is consuming many people. Whether you're grieving for someone, you're missing someone, you're worried about someone, maybe your marriage is breaking or maybe it's a mortgage payment that is late. Maybe you're waiting on the test result or dealing with a, a grouchy boss or you're dealing with unforgiving friend or maybe you're feeling the attack of unrelentless despair and the enemy has been in your ear and whispering that you should just give up because it's not worth it and it's easier to throw in the towel than it is to continue to press on. It looks hopeless. You feel helpless and quite... It, and it seems like that there is more, it would be more easier to give in to the pressure than it would to push forward. But I've come today to tell you now is not the time to give up. Now is not the time to quit. Now is not the time for you to withdraw from the body of Christ. This last two years have been difficult on everyone. 
And the church is trying to, you know, say shut down the church. And we as pastors and those that are in leadership, we understand the responsibility that we have to take care of those who are under our shepherdship. But we also understand that we must come together and we try to find creative ways. And whenever we try to get things worked out, then before long it would something else would shift before you could ever get your feet underneath you. And this last two years, the, statistically, they put out a, a statistics just the other day, and they said that only 40% of people that returned to, uh, that um, went to church prior to COVID now return to the church. 40%. And we find ourselves, I believe, stuck in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And I want you to look here today for your consideration in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse number one. It said, now it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day, the Amalekites had invaded the south of Ziglag and attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire and had been captive uh, the women and those who were there. From small to great, they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. And so David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. And then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no power to weep. And now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his son and his daughter. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. The people became bitter. And in verse number 10, it tells us that 200 men were so exhausted that they could not go on. These men were bitter. They were exhausted. They had great distress. And I believe that that is a picture of the church in 2022. Many people are bitter because of their finances, bitter because of health, bitter because of death of loved ones. And if you're not bitter, you're tired. You're wore out. You're exhausted. And you're trying to keep the family together. You're trying to make it all work. You're trying to fight the good fight and you're exhausted. The Bible says in Daniel that in these last days that the enemy's own work would try to wear down the saints and the churches, many of them have been bitter or wore out, bitter because there's only 40% of the people doing the work that used to be doing the work, bitter because they don't have the finances to do the ministry that they used to do, wore out going through these last two years trying to make things happen, trying to make sure the kingdom of God is continued to be advanced. And they're doing it without the resources. They're doing it without the ability of the people that used to be in place. And their pastors are wore out. Worship leaders are wore out. People serving in the kingdom are wore out. And David said that we have to cross over into this river. This river, we've got to go to this other place. But we are so wore out that 200 of them say we cannot go any further. 
I believe it is a picture of this day that we're living in, that people are worn down, they're exhausted, the things that have gone on in this season, it is an onslaught of hell. Yes, that I understand today. I, I know somebody will say, well, preacher, if you had it, I, I want you to understand today. I, I understand the reality of it. I understand that the sickness is real. I, I, in, in fact, in in less than a month, I buried seven family members, one of them being my mama. I know the severity of sickness before you could ever mourn and put one in the ground, another call comes that another has died. I understand, and so I'm not speaking out of ignorance, but I want you to understand that it's more than just a sickness, it's a spirit that has come to attack this last day church. David said we have come to the place of crossing in 1 Samuel 30 and verse three. He said, so David and his men came to the city and it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. David comes home from fighting to find his house, his city is burned to the ground. Not only is his house and his city burned to the ground, but his wives and their children have been taken captive. I want you to notice that all of this took place in the absence of the men. Whenever the men were out fighting another fight, their houses were burnt down. They come back to a place their city is destroyed and their wives and another generation has now been taken captive. This sounds familiar to me today because the enemy has come in and he's setting houses on fire. He's taken families captive. It seems like nearly an entire generation has been captive to bondages and addictions of drugs and alcohol and all kinds of perversion that has come in and has corrupted and destroyed a generation that is to come. But I want you to know the enemy has come in and he's setting houses on fire and he's taking the families captive. Today, the enemy is burning down homes and taking the family and binding it up until it cannot do what God has called it to do. The enemy knows that if he can get the men, then he can get the family. And if he can get the family, then he can destroy the church. The enemy knows that if he can get to the church, then he can lose the hope for a city. If the enemy can get to us, what happens, you say, what happens whenever you unplug? What happens when you stop worshiping God? What happens when you're no longer praying and you're no longer in the word of God? I tell you what happens, you begin to dry up. And the enemy has a plan for every one of us to dry up this morning. Because if he can get you to stop singing, if he can get you to stop worshiping, if he can get you to stop praising God, then your soul will begin to dry up. Jesus was talking to a woman at the well one day and he relates water to worship. And he said that something like this, if you knew who I was, 
he said, you would ask me of water because he said, the water that I have, he said, It'll, you, you'll spring up to everlasting life. You'll never be thirsty again. And Jesus was talking about this water, but he was speaking about worship because you see, worship waters the soul. The word waters the soul. Prayer waters the soul. And in these past two years, people have dried up. Here's the danger of it. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 43. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places. Looking for a place to rest. Those evil spirits are running around looking for a dry place where they can rest, where they can stay. He's looking for a dry house that doesn't have any worship in it, that doesn't have any word in it, that doesn't have the anointing of the Holy Spirit in it. Because if he can find a place that has become dry, then he can begin to inhabit that place and he can set it on fire. You see, one thing about it is this, the drier the wood, the quicker the fire will ignite. And he is looking for a dry family. He's looking for a dry person. He is looking for a dry church where he can come and set it on fire. Now, I don't believe that if you are in this house that you have to be dry. You got a great worship team. I, I told Pastor the other day within, that wasn't in the presence of John, but John and this worship team, I, I've never heard them sound better. They, they, they bring in the atmosphere of heaven into this place. Amen. Your pastor, it goes unspoken uh, that him and the ministry team, great word that comes forth from this place. But I, was, I, I didn't have this plan, but I thought about it today. What is the difference? And so I said, Pastor, can I get some water? This here has got water in it. It's your church. This is a lot of people. This bottle of water, it's full of water. And you come into the church full. You come in full of bitterness. You come in full of anger. You come in full of whatever is going on in your life. And you come in and great worship and great word and you come into the church and you go in. But it just runs off. You leave sick. You leave angry. You leave bitter. Even though the word's been there. Even though the worship has been there. You just dip in but it just runs right back off. And you go back to your house and your house is still dry. Your house is still bitter. Your house is still full of pain and full of trouble and full of all kinds of discouragement. And the enemy continues to work even though you come here on Sunday and hear the word of the Lord. So what do you have to do? This is what you gotta be. You gotta be empty. You gotta take the lid off. And you gotta let out all the anger, all the hurt, all the bitterness, all the frustration. What are you gonna do with it? Cast your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. 
whenever you empty yourself and you open yourself up, you can come up into this place. And when you come into this place, you begin to just soak in the presence of God and the word of the Lord. And whenever you leave here, it don't just run off of you, but you leave here full of the anointing, the full of the fire of God, full of the glory of the Lord, the presence of the Lord word that it's no longer just you going and taking a dip but it's going and being filled with what it comes into this place you be carriers of the anointing carriers of the presence of God until you can impact the place that you work you can change your your house where that when the fire comes it can find a place of dryness in your life where it will burn your life and your house down but it will come into the water water is a representation Presentation of the Holy Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom and the devil can't stay where the power of the Lord is. Come on and give him a praise right here today. I found out there's, used to, there's a lot of people that used to worship God on their way to work. There's a lot of people that used to pray and intercede going from place to place or doing things, but now instead of praying, we're watching the news. We're on Facebook. I tell my church it's not Facebook, it's fake book. If it looked as good, if your life was as good as Facebook looks, you would never have no trouble. Because all people do is put all the good things on there. They don't tell you about the hell they've been going through. And then it makes you wonder why I'm going through all of this. But the devil is a liar. You see, dry wood catches on fire. And whenever we begin to give up on the word of God and worshiping God and blessing God, then we're going to become dry. And in that dry place, the enemy is going to search us out. Amen. I can't go to the uh, water place. I can't go to the place where people are worshiping. I can't go to the house where they're glorifying God. I can't go to the, the, to the church where they're full of the Holy Spirit and they've got the washing of the word. I can't go to those places and start a fire because I've got to find somebody that's bitter. I've got to find someone that is angry. I've got to find someone with unforgiveness. I've got to find a marriage. I find a marriage and that is dry and I'll be able to set it on fire. I can find a parent. If I can find a grandparent, if I can find someone, oh, if I can find a dry place, I can ignite a fire and burn that house down. And the enemy takes a match just like he did David and his house. And the enemy knows that it's a dry house. And he says, I'm gonna light that house on fire and I'm going to watch it burn. Now he's got some matches in his pocket. He's got the match of strife. If a match of strife doesn't work, he'll get the match of bitterness. If the batch of bitterness don't work, he'll get the match of fear or worry or unforgiveness. Maybe it takes division. It's sin or regret, but I'm going to keep on lighting a match until I can find what will cause this house to burn to the ground. 
The enemy has us so preoccupied with things that have no eternal value that we are houses on fire and we don't even smell the smoke. And all the while the enemy is taking our families captive. The enemy wants your marriage. The enemy wants your kids. He wants your grandkids. He wants this church. He wants your resources. Amen. And then he says, whenever I can get that, I can burn this house down. Can I get that first pick? Uh, I'm sorry. Give me that little girl. There we go. Look at that smirky little face. Ain't that just like the devil? He's burning houses down to the ground and he's looking with that smirk on his face and saying, ha, 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 ha. They didn't think it would hurt anything to stop worshiping God. They didn't think that just stop reading the word it would affect, but it got them dry enough till I could light a match and I could burn their house down. And he's just smirking and laughing at the body of Christ and people that have become dry. The enemy is laughing. He will try every measure. He will do whatever it takes to, to be able to destroy you, your family, and the kingdom of God. The enemy is using a Jezebel spirit. Now, it may not be the way that you think that it is, but Jezebel threatened Elijah's life and he goes into a wilderness, into a dry place, and he sits underneath a juniper tree and he says, oh God, let me die. I'm no good. I, I haven't been able to do what I'm supposed to do. And God just, that would be better to die. And, and that's that Jezebel spirit that I want to speak about today because I'm never in my life. And if the Lord allows me to live and preach till June the 28th, I'll be privileged to preach this gospel for 40 years. But I've never seen a time whenever people are so discouraged when people feel like that they don't have the ability, they don't have the strength. People that have set up under sound doctrine for years, but they don't have the strength any longer. They don't have that sustainability to say, I know who I am in Christ Jesus. How can this be? It's a spirit that had come to Elijah's life and it's come in this season of the church to cause people to feel as though they are insufficient, inadequate, and it would be better for them to be gone than to live on this planet. But I come to tell you today the devil is a liar. Jezebel has uh, lit her match and is burning houses down all over the place. You say, well, what do you mean, preacher? Give me, give me, let me have another, the other pick. Katie Meyer's parents confirmed suicide as a cause of death for a star of Stanford soccer goalie. We had no red flags. Jezebel. Katie Myers, her parents confirmed suicide. She's a star. 
Give me the next one, please. American beauty pageant. Facing suicide. Shouldn't she be happy? She reached the top of the pendulum as far as success in her, her role. And yet she takes her own life. Do I have another one? Former bachelorette contestant. Cause of death revealed as suicide. It's not just TV stars. It's preachers, pastors. Some people say, well, how could that happen to a pastor? But I'm telling you, the pressures of this day and this hour we are living in, it's a spirit that has come to deceive and to destroy. And we are talking not only about TV stars, but I'm talking about you and your house and your place. If what I'm saying is if they can get, he can get to those who have succeeded in their role in life and still make them feel like they're inadequate and insufficient. I know that sitting in this place today, the enemy has come to try to deceive some of you and make you feel like that you don't have the what all together. You don't have the ability, but that Jezebel spirit will be broken in the atmosphere of heaven today when you begin to lift up your hands and glorify God and praise his holy name and the glory of the Lord rises upon your heart and begins to transform you to know that greater is he that is in me than the world that has come against me that no weapon formed against me shall prosper but every lying tongue will be condemned in the day of judgment I'm telling you today the power of God is necessary in this hour <clears throat> let me talk to the men the enemy knows if he is alright ladies if I talk to the men I'm going to just stay a part of the conversation but men the enemy knows if he can take out the men he can destroy the family. I've had men come to me in this season, say, Pastor, can I talk to you? I said, sure. They would say, I just feel like my family would be better off without me. I said, what are you talking, I feel like I, I'm a failure. I feel like I just, I'm not able to fulfill the promises. I'm not able to provide. I'm not able. And it just feels like I'm not worth, I'm worthless and I don't have the ability. What can do that? A Jezebel spirit. That will cause you to feel like that you don't have the ability to do what, what is it? It is laying in the bed of depression. It's a match that is there to try to burn your house down. What else is the enemy using? I believe the enemy is using what we find in John 9 and 2. And his disciples ask him saying, Master or Rabbi who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Whenever you can get past the ignorance of this question, I believe that it has an important value to you and I because what you understand is that there is a spiritual link 
that speaks to them that, that it is generational. A generational bondage. If his, his parents sin or the child sin, I say many times that, that there are some people that are paying for the cr a crime that they never committed. They're doing the time of other generations, but they themselves have never committed it. Generational bondages. And we have a recovery program and naturally... Whenever you look at those people, sometimes, Pastor, you wouldn't give two cents for their life. I mean, they're a mess, and you're looking at it in the natural, you say, what good or what value could they be? But whenever you can look in the spirit, and you can see those are wonderful people that were created with the love of God and the goodness of God, but they're just looking for the love in all of the wrong places. And you see that they have purpose, they have potential, they have a promise, they have value in their life. And whenever you see that, you realize that all it is is a generational bondage that the enemy has lit a match and trying to destroy their life. He wants to burn down not only the parents but the grandparents. He wants to get every child. He wants to get every grandchild and a generational curse. The enemy wants to destroy as many families as he can. And he has led us to believe because another generation was not over, be able to overcome the things in our life that neither will we. But I want to tell you today by the power of the Holy Spirit that you do not have to live like your parents or your grandparents did. But you can call upon the name of Jesus and he can break every yoke off of your life. He can break every addiction off of your life. He can break every sickness and disease off of your life. Oh, hallelujah. He can do it. I said he can do it. He can break it just because grandmother and great-grandmother died with cancer doesn't mean you have to go and go to your grave like that. It doesn't mean that you have to live in that bondage because we are in a season and in an hour when God is going to reveal his glory and his power in this last day. He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit. Now, I'm here today to tell you we are living in that hour of an outpouring that is going to outdo, overdo, and undo everything the devil has ever done and the power of God will be revealed in this last day church the enemy says I've got to destroy the house before I can destroy before they can destroy my house and we are like David we're sitting watching our houses burn to the ground and a generation is being taken captive Acts 16 and 16, it said, now it happened as he went to pray that a certain slave a girl possessed a spirit of divination met us and brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. Divination, it's a spirit, it's a python spirit. Python squeezes the life out of its prey. It does not have poisonous venom, but it has a squeezing to it. It's a, I read about the python one time and it said, now I want to tell you, I had a, a, some folks in my church that had a python for a pet. 
that don't happen in the Matthews house. But that, pet, that, that python got out of its cage for months and they slept in that house with that python running around. I'm sure enough gonna tell you that if there is a python in the house, ain't nobody going to bed until that thing is found. But I was reading up on these things and they said that you can, you can raise those pythons and, and one, on the article I was reading it said that it started acting strange and it would lay down by, beside this man and it would stretch itself out long and, and, and they, in that article it said what it was doing was measuring up its prey to see if it could destroy him or to swallow him. A python squeezes the life out of you. Whenever you take a breath out, it squeezes tighter and tighter. It squeezes you with fear. It squeezes you with worry. It squeezes and squeezes until there is no life left in you. It still looks the same. There's just no life. And you might be here today and you still look the same, but there ain't no fire in your spirit. There's no joy in your heart, no victory in your life. It, it looks like you're all intact. It looks like everything is still the same as it always has been, but yet on the inside it is lifeless and there is no strength or no life inside of you. And many today are walking around like that. They still look the same, but they don't have that fire in their belly anymore. First Samuel 30 and verse eight. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue and take the troops? And he said, and shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. But David pursued and went with 400 men for 200 stayed behind who were so weary they could not cross the brook. 200 of them said, I can't go any further. This is where we are today. We're at a, a tipping point that we have to decide, are we gonna quit here or are we gonna go on? Are we gonna be fatigued with bitterness and, and, and stress and everything the enemy has thrown at us? But I can hear David, you know, I, I believe that a lot of pastors, they would give up if they knew that, that, that a third of their congregation hadn't come back, right? 200 of them say we can't go any further. And I can hear David say, can you not see our city is burned to the ground? Can you not see that our families have been taken captive? Can you not see the situation that we're in? And they say, we know, David, but we can't do it anymore. We're fatigued, we're stressed out, we can't handle it anymore. And they were willing to stop short of getting their own families back. David says, look, okay, you stay here. You don't have to go any further, but everybody that wants to, everybody that's sick and tired of being sick and tired, 
every one of you that are saying, I'm not about to let the devil come up in my house, burn it to the ground, destroy my family, and then sashay out of here with my family hostage. I'm not going to stand for it. David said, all of you that feel that way, it's time to mount up. It's time for 400 of us to go and to get what we rightfully earned or deserve. We're going to go get our children. We're going to go get our wives. We're going to go get what the enemy has stolen. We're going to get our stuff and we're going to bring it back. Hallelujah. And that's who I've come to talk to here this morning. I may not be talking to everybody, but I'm talking to somebody that's sick and tired of being sick and tired. Somebody that says you just got to, sometimes you just got to get a Popeye spirit on you. You know Popeye. I stands all I can stands and I can't stands no more. Amen, and get you some spiritual spinach, pop that can open and begin to streak in the word of God, worship God, create an atmosphere where God can move in your life again and say we're gonna go get everybody. I like when, whenever we hear the man of God in the Old Testament and he tells, Pharaoh tells him you can go so far but don't go too awful far and you can worship a little bit. He said no, when we leave here, we're leaving with everybody. He he says, and we're gonna go worship God. He said, okay, you can go, but leave your family behind. Leave your wife behind. Leave the other generations behind. And he, the man of God says, oh, listen here, Pharaoh, when we leave, we're not leaving one hoof behind. Everybody's going with us. And we need that kind of determination today that we're not gonna leave our families behind. We're not gonna leave another generation behind. We're not gonna leave the things that the devil, we're going to take everything that rightfully belongs to us. We're gonna take it, glory to God, and we're gonna see the kingdom of God advance in this last day. I don't know about you, but I'm looking for a move of God's spirit. I'm looking for his anointing to come in a greater measure than it ever has before. And if I did not believe that, pastor, I wanna tell you, I could lay this mic down, walk out of here and go sell real estate, but it's in me, it's in me, it's in me that the fire of God, the power of God, the anointing of the Holy Ghost is gonna be realer in this last day than it's ever been before. It's not something that would be nice. It's not something that should happen. It's got to happen. We've got to see the glory of the Lord. We've got to see the fire of God. We've got to see the presence of the Lord moving in our life, in our family, in our cities, and in the kingdom of God. If you believe it, give him some praise today. Whenever the devil comes and burns down your house, when the enemy comes and burns down your city, can you imagine coming back to Poplar Bluff and it's burnt to the ground? What do you do when everything's gone? What do you do when your house is burnt to the ground? What do you do when your city has been destroyed? I tell you what you're going to do. I'm glad you asked.
you got to get some firefighters. I said you got to get some firefighters. Firefighters are a strange breed. Huh? Because while everybody else is running from the fire, them crazy people running into the fire. I've come to Poplar Buff by the way of Zambia to find some firefighters in this house today. Wherever the enemy's come and tried to burn your house down, destroy everything that God has promised you, not only you, but generations to come. I'm looking for some firefighters here in the palace today that'll say, Pastor, I'm ready to mount up. I'm ready to go get what the God has promised this church. Amen. I'm here today to tell you that the move of God that God is ready to release upon this church is greater than that of Ninth and Cedar. It's a power of God that is about to be unleashed upon a people that are hungry for the move of God and the power of the Spirit. Whenever we say we're not about to leave our families behind, we're not going to leave our city behind, we're ready to mount up and run into the flame and put the devil's fire out. Amen. Amen. Or if you want to be passive, you can let your families be lost. You can let the enemy have his way. Huh? Aren't you thankful for a pastor that's been faithful to fight fires for over 36 years in this city? A pastor and his wife that have been there when your house was on fire, they didn't run from you, they ran into where you were and brought the fire of the Spirit of God with them to quench the fiery fires of the enemy, right? Amen. You see, fire, firefighters have been through the same thing. I thought about this. Oh, John, that thing is heavy. I thought about the firefighters of 9-11. Their, their city had been burnt to the ground just like everybody else's. They lost family members just like everybody else lost family members. They were grieving. They were full of pain. huh? But everybody seen it on national television as they would run into those, into those buildings and seeing if there was one person that could be, that was captive, one person that was uh, hemmed up somewhere, if they could save one person, they were willing to lay down their lives so they could save somebody else. And I'm telling you today, whenever the enemy comes in and puts uh, your, your family on fire, puts your house on fire, put, puts your city on fire, amen, you've got to say no. Listen, we're not going to stand for it, right? You've got to be a firefighter and say, no, devil, you're not bringing those matches up in my house. No, devil, that's a bomb that's about to go. You ain't coming up in here, devil, and you're not going to take my children. You're not going to take my grandchildren. You're not going to take my marriage. I'm going to stand on the word of God. I'm going to worship my God by night in the house of the Lord. You can find me glorifying him and praising him. I'm going to be a fireproof because I'm going to be doused in the Holy Ghost where that you cannot burn and destroy me. The 
firefighter doesn't lose hope. When the fire gets out of control, I was studying about this, and when the fires would get out of control in the forest fires, there comes a time whenever they don't lose hope because it's so great that you know what they do? They fight fire with fire. Amen. And the fire, the reason why the fire of hell can burn in your life is because the fire of God has gone out in your life. And the only way that you can stop the fire is to build a greater fire on the inside of you. The greater one, the fire of God, the fire of the Holy Spirit, Amen. And that's what that firefighter does. He doesn't lose hope because it looks like that the fire is so great. He will light a fire so that it will burn into the flame and burn that fire out. And I'm here today to tell you that the fire that God wants to burn in your life will destroy every yoke and remove every burden. Well, how do you get a fire started? I'm glad you asked. I'm at the house, we're, we're putting in a new, we're building, getting in a new house and, and I was clearing some land and I got this thought because whenever I took the dozer and I put, put all of those trees up into a pile and I tried to burn it, but it wouldn't burn. It was too green and every day it was raining, it was too wet and it just wouldn't catch fire. So you know what I did? I went and got me some oil. I went and got me some oil and I poured it right down in there. I got me five gallons and it didn't look like it's enough. So I went back and got me another five gallons and I poured that oil down into all of that brush and those trees and then I lit the match. And when I lit the match, it began to flame. And when the flame came up, it began to dry out the wood and caused it to, to turn into a great flame that burned it all up. What are you saying? I'm telling you today that when the enemy comes against your life, you've got to build a fire of God and it takes the anointing. It takes the oil of the Holy Spirit and that's the reason why that we took these little vials and gave out here this morning. It's because you know what this is? It's a fire starter. You may, your fire may have gone out. It may be dry in your life, but I'm telling you this isn't no magical oil, but I believe, I know it's old school, but I still believe in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I still believe that you can anoint it with oil and that the prayer of faith will save the sick. Glory to God. I still believe. You know why? I believe it because whenever I was a child, a pastor, my mama and daddy would go around the house and they'd have them some anointing oil. <clears throat> huh? They didn't leave home without it. They'd tear it everywhere. And if I, was, if I was in Ohio today, I could show you the marks on the top of my door where there was a cross, where the oil stained it, where they would come by there every periodically and they would anoint my door. They would anoint the pillows. 
They would anoint the, everything in the house. You could see the marks of oil all over our house. Amen. They would go to the hospital and they would anoint people with oil. They would go and in the marketplace and in the villages and my daddy and mama wasn't ashamed of the gospel. They'd go there and where they'd pour out that anointing oil and they'd, they'd say, pray for me. They didn't say, well, I'll, I'll pray for you at the house. They'd say, we might as well pray right now. And they'd pull that oil out and they would anoint it with oil and they'd begin to pray in the Holy Ghost and they'd believe the fire of God would begin to bring a miracle. I'm telling you, it's time to return back to a place where we believe in the anointing of the Holy Ghost again that is able to set the captive free. It is the answer to America. I'm telling you today, America is on fire and we need some firefighters in the house of God that'll rise up with the anointing and say it's not by might and it's not by power but it's by the spirit of the living God that is wanting to work a miracle in your life. I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost. I know there's some churches that they don't want to talk about it anymore but I can't live without it. I gotta have it. Amen. Because I can't make it without it. But what I give, what I, I sent this over here for, I want everybody to have them some anointing oil. So whenever you leave here, you just anoint your house. Amen. Them children acting crazy. You don't have to line them up and say, "Come here, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray for you." No, no. You can slip into their room while they're asleep. You can slip in there while they're over there at school. And you can take some anointing oil in there. And you can begin to, you can begin to open up that oil and just begin to anoint some things in there. Get their clothes out and just put you a little bit on it. Amen. And begin to pray in the Holy Ghost and say, God, wherever they go and wherever they may lead them, I want you, God, to go with them. I want you, when they're trying to make wrong decisions, to put conviction upon their heart. Amen. I'm telling you today, I believe in the Spirit of God that'll work in a person's life, that'll transform them and say, hey, I was about to do a wrong thing, but something stirred in my heart. I'm thankful for a praying mama and a praying daddy. You don't fool with people that know how to pray. You can tell a lie, but they can see through it. Huh? And I believe today, it's as thankful as I am for pastor and, and sister pastor for, for being faithful 30, they cannot keep the fire out of Poplar Bluff. But I don't know how many folk are up in here today but how about you being a firefighter? How about you putting the fire out at your house? How about you stirring up the gift of God that is on the inside of you? Until whenever the enemy comes, he don't, he, when he comes in, he don't find a dry house, but he finds a house full of fire. He finds a house that is worshiping, a house that is praying, a house that's seeking the presence of God. Amen. You got to get you some oil. And when you get some oil, the fire of God will begin to burn in your heart and in your life. And we'll see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I don't want to be consumable. 
I want to be fireproof. I want to be fireproof. I want to fireproof not only me, but I want to fireproof my wife. I want to fireproof my family. I want to fireproof my church, my village, my city. I want to see the move of God in this last day. But we're not going to see it being passive. We got to get some people that'll be aggressive and run into the fire with the anointing of the Holy Spirit and say, you're not doing that here. You're not doing that here. You're not doing that in my family. You're not doing it in my church. You're not doing it in my city. But we're going to see the move of God in this last day. Stand with me, please.